0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Porto Podcast in English. This is episode 34. I'm your host, Rui dos Santos, and we've got a great episode for you all. At least we're going to try to today because I'm once again doing this episode solo. Jason and I have been running around like crazy in the last couple of weeks and it's been difficult to put out some content for you guys, but... Uh, This week was a little bit different. Jason and I actually recorded an episode yesterday and all the data failed and I wasn't able to get my hands onto it or anything. So we weren't able to process that episode. So it's Friday night and I'm just going to get something out there for you all to listen to this weekend for a couple of days before the game against Braga, the final, the TASA Portugal final this Sunday. It's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded our last episode. We missed out on the Family game where Porto won four to two and obviously last weekend's game, the last game of the season against Guimarães, three to nothing. So I'll just do a quick review over both of those games and we'll get right into the Twitter questions. The Twitter questions are going to be divided into two parts once again. The first part of the questions are going to be from after the Famalicaon game and then the second part will be from after the Guimarães game. So uh, let's just get straight to the first game, Famalicaon 2, Porto 4. A really crazy, bizarre game in this one. Just like, I guess it's been the, the story of Of our season all year long, if we're not winning by one or two goals, if we're not winning by just a single goal, and we actually put more than just two goals away in a game, there's always some crazy story behind it. Uh, It just seems that way. Uh, Porto put away four goals, and three of them come from the penalty spot. Meritaremi scores all four of them, and just after 10 minutes, we took a nice 2 to nothing lead. It looked like a game that we were just going to just really whale on family who we've seen so many times this year and actually kind of put them aside all for once but uh that didn't really happen uh after 10 minutes we were playing great football really getting it to them getting two goals but then all that just vanished after 10 minutes we were playing really well and then it just seemed like we stopped playing our normal game we took the foot off the gas and we allowed them to come back And tie the game right before halftime, and our worries were once again creeping up on us. Uh, And Famalico hasn't been easy all year. And, you know, luckily in the second half, we were able to win two more penalties in this one. A really bizarre game because of all the penalties. Four total penalties three for us and one for Famalico. I think all four of them were deserved penalties. I know there's been like a lot of criticism online saying that the there were too many penalties given to Porto this year and, and a couple of them shouldn't have been given in this game. From my eyes, I believe all of them were, without a doubt, clear penalties, and we've seen far worse penalties called in this league with the officiating that this league has. So um, I kind of agree with most of them, uh, actually all of them, in this game. Not so much to, to talk about in... This game because of just all the penalties going on, really bizarre. Like I, as I mentioned several times already, so we'll just get straight. Uh, we'll just get going into the next game. Uh, Porto win three to nothing last weekend against Guimarães. and we really took advantage of a ten-man team. Uh, Thomas Handel picks up a red card with his reckless challenge on Matheus Uribe in the second minute. So Guimarães, who also is not an easy side, they always give the top teams in Portugal a run for their money. They go down one man early on. They have to go 88 minutes without playing, but Porto really took advantage of it. I really like the intensity here. This was a game that I felt that Porto dominated, and I think the red card has has a good part to do with it but I think the intensity the the game plan uh really just getting forward striving and just being hungry to get at goal I feel like in the first half alone we could have easily had 5 or 6 goals um but you know 3 goals is great in the first half and then the second half uh things just simmered down a bit we were still on the dominating side of the game but things cooled off i think at halftime we we knew where the title or at least the players knew where the title was going benfica were ahead against santa clara i think by two nothing at halftime so it 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 was more likely than not that benfica were going to win uh the title so great way to end the season overall i mean 85 points in a season that was a hell of a roller coaster ride it, it, there were moments in the season where we all were worrying about how we're going to finish are we there's, We didn't know if we were going to win the title. There were times where that we didn't even know if we were going to qualify for the Champions League or finish second. We were struggling to find our identity. Uh, the season wasn't perfect, but we got the results as needed. We finished the season with 11 straight wins in all competitions. We won the last nine games in the league, and that's who we are. Even when we're not at our best, even if we don't have the most talented roster, we do strive. We do... Uh, we are very resilient and we just grind out games and get the wins. And we we really missed out on that in, in certain parts of this season. So it was great to see that we, we hung tough and we got some results to finish the season strong and just kind of pushed Benfica all the way to the last game of the season where just two months ago we were 10 points behind them. So um, not a bad way to end the year. And we've won already two trophies. We have one more to go. We went into the knockout stages of the Champions League. So there's a lot of positivity here um, in terms of this season. Champions League is in the bag, so we're going to have that guaranteed revenue next year. And we play in the tasa de Portugal this weekend against Praga, and we could win three trophies in one season. And if we could have a season where we're not going to win the league, this one isn't the worst one, despite all the obstacles that we have. That we, had, uh, that we had to go through, so not too bad. Uh, I wish it was a better, and I wish it was us winning the league, but unfortunately, that's not how football works. So that's what makes football great, and when we do win, we appreciate it even more because there are seasons like these where we don't win, and when we do win, it, it feels absolutely great. So as I mentioned, Porto and Braga played this weekend in the Tazas de Portugal. I think I'm just going to give a quick prediction on this one. Braga is never easy to play against. We do have a good record against them in our house. We have a poor record against them in their house, but this is going to be at a neutral site, and I kind of like our chances there. I think not being in Braga's comfort zone, it's going to give us a little bit more of an advantage. I think Braga's crowd... Their environment, all that stuff plays a huge factor for them because they're a really good team at home. And I think we do a better job on neutral sites and even adapting on the road compared to Braga. So Braga has to go on the road. We have to go on the road. I kind of like our chances more. I think we're the better team. I think we have the momentum. We're on a very long winning streak and we're closing games out better uh, than we have been from the beginning and the middle of this season. So I think I'm going to go with us winning two to one. I'm going to predict. Meri goal, and Ivan Nielsen. I really liked the way Ivan Nielsen played against Guimaraes last week. I felt like that was his game. He was really getting involved. He had a couple of opportunities before his goal, and he got the goal that he really deserved. So I was really happy to see him play the way that he did. And I think maybe that's just the start or the beginning for him to get back on track because we all know how talented he can be. All right, guys. Let's move into the first part of the Twitter questions. These are from about a week and a half ago, two weeks when uh, right after the Family Count game. Our first question comes from Carlos at Carlos underscore a one three eight one. With Benfica stumbled to, to the finish line, I don't see them losing um, against an already relegated Santa Clara team. How annoyed are you about our home loss to them because of our stupid red card mistake? I'm super annoyed. I know we drop points in other games, but this one stands out. Yeah, spot on, Carlos. That one that one was frustrating because I felt that Porto, we all thought Porto were coming out of that funk from the Champions League. It was a big game against Benfica. Uh, Benfica were on a tier to start the season, and we were there. We were ready to just break their their winning streak to give them their first loss of the season. We were in the dragão, Benfica has they have nightmares in that place and it was a it was a great opportunity for us to to catch up in the league kill Benfica's momentum and unfortunately in that game everything went right for us until that red card happened cuz we were dominating we were getting opportunities Benfica couldn't get anything going it seemed like they couldn't even get out of the midfield or their their own final third to get anything going we were on top of them but when you play with 10 men for such a long time, it becomes tiring. And Benfica waited for their opportunity and they got the the chance that they needed. And we look back at it. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's plenty of games that lost us the title. But this one hurts because it's your biggest rival. It's the team that won the league. And just a draw alone in that game would have won. And if everything stayed the same and played out the same for the rest of the season, we would have won the the league. So uh, it's frustrating on that part. But there's also other moments, too, as you mentioned, that, that were really frustrating. The Gil Vicente game, the, the draw against Casapia, Pia, Eva Nielsen hitting the post against, um, against Braga late on in the game in the last matchup in the league. You know, there, there were moments in this season where we were very inconsistent um, and we made a lot of mistakes and Benfica was definitely one of them and it's the one that sticks out the most. I 100% agree with you on that. Great question. Our friend Baba Melli at Blueberry Caves. According to recent rumors, Teremi has rejected an offer from Porto to renew his contract. If this is true, this week's game will be <clears throat> will be his last league game with Porto. End of an era. Yeah, it it kind of looks like it. We have Fran Navarro coming in. We had we just restructured Tony Martinez. We kinda thought that he was gonna be leaving in this summer. And after that restructure, it's kinda hard to see that happening. Um, you know, we we have quite a few strikers already. We have Eva Nielsen, we have um, uh, Fran Navarro, we have Danny Namaso, we have Tony Martinez. The, these are these are number nines or false number nines that can play that that role. And we just can't afford to have another player like Teremi who's about to enter the last year of his contract. Porto can still get some money for him in a transfer market in the transfer market this window uh, this uh, summer. So it does look like this is going to be his last game, this was his last game, and I think this game against Braga on the weekend for the final, Tasa de Portugal, is going to be his last one, so I'm hoping that, that he gets a goal in this game and we lift the trophy on his last game with us because he definitely deserves it. Jack Hacken, Fire Nord Enjoyer, at Companator, uh, at Companator. With the many of the leagues in Europe at at their end, with the Champions League spots cemented, including Porto, what would your ideal Champions League group look like with the teams from the different pots following the rules of an official UEFA draw? Okay, so Jack dropped me all the teams that have qualified for the Champions League. If I could go, if I could choose one that I would like the most... I guess I would go from Pot One, Fire Nord. I'll take Fire Nord from the Netherlands. Uh, pot Two, Porto is in Pot Two, so that would be us. Pot Three, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind taking Rangers, and then Pot Four, let's go with Copenhagen from Denmark. I think that would be the ideal one. Champions League games are never easy. Doesn't matter who you play against, but. I like those ch- those chances from I like the chances from those teams and I certainly don't want to play against Manchester City, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid or any top top notch team that we tend to face every single year. Good news is there's no Liverpool next year in the Champions League so there's no worries from them at all. Great question. <laughs> Manuel Pinto at Ederu Terra. Only a miracle could get us to win the league. I hope that happens with Santa Clara. Why do you think Namasu and Verón haven't played that much? Is it because Sergio is being super strict or maybe he's seeing something in training that we don't? So, Sergio's been here for about six years and he's never been easy on the younger players. There's always been just a few that really stuck out um, that played at such a young age. Um... So given his track record, he's never made it easier for these players. I think he really wants them to, to, to earn this spot. I think he really wants to push them to the absolute maximum at training. And on the other side, it could be something at training that he's seeing wrong that, or that he doesn't like or maybe he's not 100% confident. So we're not there to see everything that goes on on the training grounds. But for what we've seen this year, especially in the year of 2023. I think Namasu has been great, and I think he deserves a little bit more time on the pitch, maybe a start here and there. And Veron had a great game a few weeks ago. We touched up on it on the last podcast. He was fantastic, but that was pretty much his like first game where we, where we really got to see him at his absolute best. So I can understand Veron not playing as much, but Namasu, I think the kid really deserves it, and who knows, maybe we'll see him on Sunday against Braga. Great question. Miguel Zada at Migas underscore FCP. I personally think Pinto the Costa will splash the cash as it's his last year before the elections. Do you agree? And if so, who are some of the signings you believe we should be looking at? Yeah, I think regardless, I think regardless of the elections happening in 2024, this was definitely a transfer window where the Champions League was super important to qualify for because we need that revenue. The team definitely needs a revamp in the midfield. We definitely need um, a center midfielder that's creative. We need probably another number 10. We definitely need a left back and we need another center back. So I think this is the time where we sell the players that we need to sell, and definitely fill the gaps on those positions. If there's one player that I really like, I've talked about him maybe once or twice previously. I like Alan Varela a lot from Boca Juniors. I think he's an absolute workhorse, a traditional, a versatile and traditional number 6. I think he's good with the ball at his feet. I think he's great on on defense. He has great energy. I think he has a lot of pace as well. So I think he's a complete midfielder that can offer a lot to us next year. And Argentines seem to really get their feet wet in the Portuguese League before they go on to a bigger uh, to a bigger challenge, to a bigger club or whatever it is. So I think I would really like to see Alan Varela from Boca Juniors. So if you guys haven't seen him, definitely check him out. He's a really, really good player. The Portugal corner at Portugal underscore corner. A little late, but if you guys are still taking questions with Teremi, passing Hulk's scoring record for the club, do you consider Teremi a Porto legend? If not, what must he do to earn that? How do you compare him to Falcão? Yeah, I mean, Teremi's been a great player. He's been a consistent starter for, for three straight seasons for us. I think this is the second year in the row where he's had double-digit goals, double-digit assists. He's won the league, he's won every trophy basically minus the Champions League with us. So, he's been a great player, he's been really reliable. It's not just the goals that he brings. It's it's his presence. It's his ability to create. I think his passing ability is absolutely sublime. We've seen so many great assists this year. I feel like he brought on, he was given a lot of responsibility in the playmaking, which is why we haven't seen him score as many goals or open play goals like we've seen last year. So he he really rose to the occasion and comparing him to Falcone, Falcone was an absolute animal and he ended up turning into one of the best strikers in the world. Um, but Falcão had a much better team to work with, especially playing with the, the likes of João Moutinho, uh, James Rodriguez and, and Hulk and so many others that went through that entire team. They won their Europa League. He scored 17 goals. Uh, Falcão is obviously the better striker. But Teremi, I would definitely say he's, he's a Porto legend. Three seasons passing Hulk. Um, he's one of the most prolific scorers. And on top of it, his assists, his ability to create and be that all around striker, it's not just goals from him. He provides a lot more. Definitely a Porto legend, in my opinion. Mats at Mats Attack Nine. Which are the players that will or could play this weekend and have a point to prove for next season? I also recently remembered to bring up that Porto played my other team, Bristol Rovers, in the preseason. Porto won three to nothing. Any thoughts? <laughs> That's awesome that you like. It's amazing that you like Porto, and you know, being from being from England and supporting Bristol Rovers, it's it's amazing. I always found it fascinating when people that live abroad or don't really have um, ties to being Portuguese or or whatever it is. Um, Supporting Porto, I I never realized that there were so many of of those fans out there. And doing this podcast, I found so many that have that have really supported Porto, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, to answer the first part of your question, Matt, I think so from 2 weeks ago going into the Fumikel game I believe Veron and Namasu were coming off a really good game together so I would have really liked to see them play in the Fumikel game I think those two are going to have a point to prove for next year I think I think more so Namasu. I think he is ready to 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 be an every-game starter for Porto next season, and I think Verón could possibly be that starter next year. If not, definitely for the long run because the kid is only 19 or 20 years old, so he's got a lot of time to grow and get polished. But if there's one player, definitely Danny Namasu. Next question comes from Josh, a Benfica fan. At Joshinho, how many players, PKs will get on Sunday, over and under 3.5? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, let me apply this to the to the final because this question was asked after the Famalicão game and this was going towards the Guimarães game where we got zero penalties. Um, I'll just say we'll probably get one penalty, if, if that. I think there's going to be one penalty in the final of this game because it's going to be a final and usually games like that that are closed, they could be decided on it. So, Josh, thank you for your sarcastic question. We appreciate it. (laughs) Next question comes from Graham underscore Zao at Graham underscore Zhao. Will Porto keep this squad next season with some reinforcements or who may leave this summer? Yeah, so I think for the most part, these players are going to stay. I've been inclined more. I've been believing more and more that Dugu the could stay for next season because not a lot of teams want to spend that much money, and all the big clubs either already have a goalkeeper that is really good or they're not going to spend the money on one. Um, I think the teams that really could splash the cash already have a goalkeeper and that are willing to pay for $75 million or whatever it is for Dukas' release clause. Manchester United was definitely a team that was on the radar, and they're more than capable of spending that much money, but they're just focusing on renewing um, David De Gea's contract, and they want to stick with him, and they should. He's a great player. He's been a great goalkeeper. He understands the league. He loves the club, and it would cost zero. There would be no transfer fee for him, so it would make more sense for Manchester United. All the other clubs it's really hard to see. I don't see Tottenham approaching Yugo Costa. I know Diogo uh, Lloris is on his way out, or he's going to retire, or whatever it is. And he's already old, but there's no Champions League football, so maybe a team like Tottenham, but I don't think that would be the best move. But I can definitely see Diogo Costa staying. Um Other players, I think Teremi is definitely going to leave. Mateus Uribe is going to leave. And Ivan Marcano at this moment, I believe, may restructure with Porto. I just read something earlier this afternoon. Uh, I wouldn't mind keeping him, but we definitely need to re-sign another center back. But for other players, I can't really see anyone for sure leaving. Um, I think there will be a couple of players leaving outside of the ones that I mentioned. I just don't know who exactly. FCP 1992 at FCP 1992. Can the SAD be trusted this offseason to A, invest, and B, invest wisely? Sergio is a great manager, but asking him to work miracles again next year isn't ideal. I 100% agree. It's it's crazy. Just us finishing with 85 points, finishing in second place the way that we did is a little bit of a miracle with the squad that we had, the issues that we had, the lack of uh, of investments and resources from the, the the summer transfer window, and the one big signing that we made really didn't pan out well. Hopefully, it does in the long run. That is David Garmo. but uh, I think I think we will. I think we have to this year. Uh, I I see that that I think the the board will invest. They understand it. There's Champions League money on the line. Um, And I think investing it wisely, we do a pretty good job bringing in talent. Uh, The only problem that we really have is just selling that talent for the right price and not for discounts. So we we've always we've always funneled a lot of great players through our team through our squad, and they've always made names for themselves in Europe. So I I don't I'm not worried about investing it wisely. Uh, I think we will invest this year, uh, but. Obviously, there's always a possibility that the, the the talent won't work out well, but I do like our chances given from the track record that we've had over the years. So I 100% agree. But my predictions, we are going to invest, and I think we're going to bring in some pretty good players as well. Alex, at LLEW underscore Alex. Even if we don't win the league this season, we've pushed Benfica all the way up till the last game. We won the tasa of the Liga, and we only went out by one goal to the Champions League finalists. What are your thoughts on this season? Yeah, I kind of summed it up earlier. It's, it's not a bad season. It's good in terms of that we, that we qualified for the Champions League, so we have that guaranteed revenue. That's the most important thing. But if we're not going to win a league title, this isn't the worst scenario. We won the Supercopa, we won the Tasa de Liga, we went to the knockout round of the Champions League, and we're in the final, the Tasa de Portugal, and if we win that, we've won everything that we could realistically win outside of the league, so it's not a bad season. A couple of years ago, we didn't win anything and we finished second place, so i definitely take a season like this over the one from two years ago. Figo Costa Pinto at Costa underscore Figu, is it time for a change at the very top? Can Porto fully trust Pinto da Costa? Sergio is performing minor miracles without any investment on the playing staff. Um, I think eventually it's going to have to happen, the change. I mean, it will happen. Uh, I hope it happens in 2024 because I think football has changed so much and I think we need a more modern approach. Uh, people like uh, André Villas-Boas would be a great option, and Vitor Baia as well. Um, can we trust Pinto da Costa? Yeah, I think we can, because I think the board now has made several moves that at least got some of my trust back where we restructured all of these players and gave them all co- uh, release clauses that are respectable and that are really good, and that would be... They wouldn't be anything like the Vitinhas and, and Fabio Vieira release clauses of 30 and 35 million. We're talking about release clauses of 60, 70, 80, uh, 100 million euros for players. That's what we want. That's what we want to demand from these clubs and not sell them on discount. So for that, I think I'm starting to trust the, the, the board a little bit more. And I think in the off season we're going to invest players because we really, really need them. So that does it for the part one of the questions. Part two, this is the questions from the game against Guimarães. Uh, the first question comes from Rich Desheda at Mr. Rich Desheda. What are the need positions we should fill next season with um, within the cha- the transfer market? So yeah, I, I touched up on it. Uh, we definitely need a left back. I think Zaidu is just not the answer. I don't mind seeing him coming off the bench and play in certain games or come off the bench when uh when we, we might need another wing back. He's a great second option, but I don't want to see him start all these games like he has been. Uh a center back, we definitely need to beef up that the the depth and get another option out there, especially if David Carmu is not going to live up to the expectations because I really think he's going to play a big role next year and we got to hope that he does live up and blossom to his potential because he's going to be needed but it would be nice to have another center back uh, a younger one because Pep we can't rely on and Ivan Markanu, if he does resign we can't rely on him also to play every single week they're just too old for that in certain games absolutely yes But we need another center back as well, and a couple of center midfielders, a deep lying center midfielder, and maybe a more attacking minded number ten, or number eight, or whatever. We definitely need a couple of more options in the midfield as well. Wingers, strikers, I love them, and Joao Mario has been really good at the right back position. So I, I, all those have been, all those positions I think are have been great. I think those three really stand out the most for me. Manuel Pinto at Erui Terra going into next season with still one trophy to win. Could you give us your top five Porto moments this season? Could be either good or bad. Let's start off with the bad here. Uh, Let's go with the Benfica red card, as we mentioned on the first question. That one really hurt us. It's a big game. Uh, In that point of the season, Benfica were really on a roll, and we were trying to get back on our feet. Uh, That one really hurt us. Uh, bad, bad, bad. I think the Gil Vicente game all around was a giant clusterfuck. I think scoring early on and then Pepe skying an open netter to put us two nothing ahead, and then followed by uh, a Joao Mario red card, and then the penalty from Uribe, and I think he also got a red card in that game. Playing with nine players, um, blowing a one uh, a one nothing lead and losing two to one, really detrimental to our season. Uh, For the positives, I want to say the game against Benfica at Estadio de Luz was great. I thought we really played them well and it was at a point where we needed to win and it gave us hope again to win the title. Uh, Let's see. What else we got? Beating Spartan three times was awesome as well uh, and winning the Tasa de Liga against them. And lastly, I want to say Diogo Costa because I think we've been forgetting about how great he's been. I think his... Four penalties that he saved in a row in the Champions League, especially in games against Leverkusen, when we had already lost two games in a row in the group stage, really propelled us to to win those two games in a row that we needed to win to get out of the group. So I think that that moment of him saving four straight penalties in the Champions League was absolutely huge. Those are the ones that I would definitely pick as the top five Moments for Porto this year. Matts at Matts Attack Nine, your team of the season. So I'll give a starting eleven right now. Start with Hugo Costa in goal. I'll go with Wendell, Pep, Marcano, and Joao Mario in the back line. From the uh, from the midfield, the left to the right, I'll go with Galeno, Eustáquio, Uribe and Otavio, and then my two strikers, I'll go with Teremi and Tony Martinez. I think Tony Martinez has been pretty consistent this year as being the role player, more consistent than Eva Nielsen. I don't want to take anything away from how great Eva Nielsen could be this year, but he's been too hurt and too inconsistent all year long. Uh, I think he's going to be a special player still, so we'll see what happens, but that will definitely, those are definitely my uh, starting 11 team of the season. MMM at Mike de Zizouge, What away match would you like to travel to out of pot one? So the teams in pot one are Sevilla, Barcelona, Napoli, Bayern. PSG, Benfica, and Feyenoord. Obviously Benfica wouldn't be in our group, but if I had to travel to a couple of those cities, it would definitely be Barcelona or Napoli. I absolutely love the 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 pictures that I've seen of Barcelona. Uh the the architecture looks amazing and all those those blocks, those uh the the, the city looks like a giant grid. All the blocks in the streets are just A giant grid and it looks amazing. Um, And I heard the food is amazing there. I'm a huge foodie, so I would love to go there. Uh, And also Napoli because my uncle is actually from there. I've always had some sort of Italian ties in my family because of him and Southern Italian culture has always been around me. So Napoli and Barcelona for those two reasons. The cities of Diego Maradona. Next question comes from Craig at Craig12Portista. Who are you guys selling and who uh, who would you be buying? Onto Braga, uh, on Braga next. Vamos Porto sempre ao teu lado a ganhar ou perder. Yeah, so selling, I think Teremi is inevitable. Uh, Mateus Uribe is leaving on a free. There's a possibility. There's more of a possibility of Dugu Koshta leaving as well, and that would bring in a lot of money, but I kind of hope it doesn't because keeping him for one more season can really boost our chances next year of winning the title, especially if our, our defense is not going to be as great. Uh, other players that I could see selling, I mean, I can't... I'm sure the board is going to sell a couple of players, but I'm just not sure who. I think everyone's pretty much leaving on a free if you're not Teremi or you're pretty much staying. And I, I just can't really think or know for sure who it would be that would leave on uh, on a transfer. And who would we be buying? I would go with Alan Varela from Boca Juniors. As I mentioned, I'm a huge, huge fan of his. Uh, I think he would help us out. Last question comes from here for the underscore. At here for the underscore. End of season player review. Who would you like to stay? Who would you like to go? Who do you think will stay or go? I would like to see um I would like to see Zaidu leave, but I don't think that's gonna happen. I think it's gonna be Wendell uh, because Zaidu restructured his contract until 2027. I would like to see I don't honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing everyone stay. I know Uribe is going to leave, Teremi is definitely going to leave. I don't really have a problem with too many of the players. I just know that we need to bring in better players in certain positions. As much as I love Pep and as much as I can appreciate the work that Ivan Marcano did this year, we definitely need another center back to go along with Pep and David Carmel. So, definitely a center back. Someone that's good that could start right away and definitely some midfielders. So we'll see what happens. But for the most part, I don't want to see anyone leave, but maybe Zaido. So, um, but yeah, that's about it. And that will do it for this episode of the Porto Podcast in English. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Uh, if you could follow us on Twitter at fcportupodeng, follow us on Instagram at portupodeng, follow us on, on Facebook, the Portu Podcast in English, and if you like the show, leave a review, hit the five stars on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, or whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, and we'll see you on the next episode.